Welcome to Word on the Street, a weekly podcast from Barclays UK, where our experts help ordinary investors make sense of the latest news and events impacting the world's financial markets. With a global recession looming, we look at whether investors have already priced this risk into stock markets. With Sarah Gresty, Head of Investments, and Sean Markovitz, Investment Strategist. If you are new to investing, want to learn more about investing, or want tips on how to manage your long-term financial plans, check out our sister podcast channel, Money Plan, available on Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Word on the Street. This week, I'm really pleased to be joined by Sean Markovich, an investment strategist in our team, to talk through some interesting questions. But maybe to get us started, Sean, you can also summarize the key events in markets this week. Sure, Sarah. So it's been a relatively light week on data so far. Investors are anxiously awaiting the US inflation numbers for December, which are released today. But other than that, it's been a relatively bouncy week for uh, bond yields, which increased initially after some central bankers suggested that rates would need to be at an elevated level of 5% or higher in the US. But, you know, if you look at what the market is pricing, investors don't seem to be really buying that line as the expectation is inflation will continue to decelerate over the coming months. Um, and that would warrant a, a softer policy stance. And that's what the market is pricing in uh, recently. And now if we turn on over to the equity market, they seem to be rejoicing over this very potential for a less restrictive policy stance. Uh, you know, even though we saw an, a fairly negative survey for the service sector last week, which all else equal should price stocks lower, not higher. And finally, I think it would be remiss to not mention that emerging markets have continued their stride higher on the China reopening story. And that's carried European equities up higher too, as they generate around a third of their revenues from Asia, uh, much more than other markets such as the US. Thanks, Sean. One of the other things that's been in the news quite a lot recently is talk around an upcoming recession. Do you think equity investors should be worried? I think people are watching the news as if this is what really drives markets when in reality, there's quite a stark disconnect between equity market performance and the economy. And I think it's worth remembering to our listeners and reminding them that a company's stock market value, it captures all of future earnings and these are related to economic growth, but not on a one-for-one -one basis. So its value is going to reflect what is happening now, which might be some of the recessionary risks, but also what is forecast to happen next year, the year after, and so on. So stock markets are forward-looking. So I think it's really important that we remember that, whereas in contrast, most economic data that you will hear about in the news that's reported in the BBC or any news outlet, that's going to reflect what's happened in the past. So to give you an obvious example, GDP growth figures, there aren't released until after the quarter is ended. So any news that impacts profit margins can uh, move the market before it actually hits the company's bottom line, i.e. the data that you would tend to see impacted when a recession hits. So markets tend to actually price the direction of the economy at least a couple months in advance. Our research has found that it tends to be at least six months in advance. So the, by the time you're hearing that a recession has arrived, you're often too late to do something about it, as markets, if they are efficient, should have already priced that in. And that's why I also think it's, it's quite interesting to note that historically, stock market returns have frequently been positive during a recession. That's so interesting. Thanks, Sean. Um, why else might the stock market diverge from the direction of the economy? 
So the other reason is compositional differences between the market and the economy. So I'll give you a really good example that I think our listeners can relate to. If you take the UK, for example, we've had quite a dreadful year with spiraling inflation and a weakening economy. And yet the UK's flagship FTSE 100 index was one of the best performing market indices last year. How is that possible? Well, the index is really a poor proxy for domestic activity. UK companies generate a huge amount of their revenues overseas, and the pound weakened enormously in 2022 as economic growth slowed. But this boosted the value of those FTSE 100 exports, which when translated back into the domestic currency are going to be higher. And of course, the notion that a weaker currency can boost stock market values applies to all markets, but the magnitude will depend on a company's foreign revenue exposure. The UK is a particularly strong example of this. 74% of revenues are generated abroad. If you compare that to the US, which is a much more domestically focused market, only 29% of revenues are made overseas. That's according to data from Morgan Stanley. It's a big difference. Um, absolutely. So, you know, that disconnect between how much revenue is generated overseas versus what's happening in the economy is one of the main drivers of um, differences in performance. And the other reason is the UK has also performed especially well because it has a very high exposure to commodity companies. And as we are well aware, oil prices went up significantly last year. And so that was a quite a strong tailwind for many of the commodity companies that are listed on the FTSE 100 index. Um, but the impact of the economy level is going to be quite different as these firms represent a very small share of GDP in the UK. Um, so while higher energy prices have hurt consumers and businesses by raising the cost of living and making conducting business more difficult, it's actually been a tailwind for uh, listed companies. The final thing I would like to add is that it's worth remembering that these market indices are weighted by market capitalization of their constituents. So the more valuable the company, the larger the index weight. And so what that means is that smaller firms tend to have very little stock market representation, even though they might account for a very large share of the economy. Small businesses are likely to suffer more from economic headwinds because, you know, they, they might have smaller cash buffers. It might be more difficult to access cheap credit. And that impact's not going to be proportionately captured by the stock market index because by construction, small firms are going to have a smaller index weight. And many of these firms are not even, you know, listed on the public equity market. So to summarize, it's the amount of foreign revenues, the sectoral composition, and the weighting bias towards larger companies, all of which explain why performance of market indices could diverge from economic growth. Yeah, good explanation. Thanks for that. Another question for you. If stock markets are forward-looking, as you've just explained, do you think a recession is fully priced in by investors? So this is the question that we ask ourselves over and over again. Excellent. Um, whether enough of the headwinds are in the price or if, if they have further room to fall. So on balance, in the very short term, I don't think we're completely out of the woods yet. Uh, although some downside to economic growth is priced in, we think there's still some more pain to come. Nowhere near as much as potentially, you know, the, the, the big drawdown last year. But I think, you know, we're, we're closer to the end than the middle. Uh, but at the same time, you know, a number of our leading economic indicators that we pay close attention to are pointing towards further economic pressures biting on the economy, particularly as higher interest rates and the lagged effects of those, as well as the lagged effects of inflation, uh, might squeeze corporate margins. Uh, we're going to very soon hear from all of the companies in the world reporting their Q4 earnings, so we'll, we can get an insight into whether their margins are being squeezed 
But on the other hand, if I wanted to leave our listeners with one positive note, oh, I think we love a positive end. Go on. I think it's important to remember that stock market valuations compared to the beginning of 2022 are significantly cheaper. If we rewind back to 2022, they were the most expensive on record since the dot-com bubble, and now they've cheapened significantly. And there's a strong historical relationship between the price you pay today and your future expected returns. So I think this reset is quite healthy for long-term investors. And I think the outlook as an investor kind of looking to put money to work today is, is, is far more attractive. Okay, so although your long-term outlook has improved, you're still negative on equities in the short run. Are there any regions that you think can shoulder this headwind better than others? Going into 2023, we continue to favor developed market equities over emerging markets. And that's because historically, whenever global growth weakens, emerging markets tend to perform relatively worse. And that's because their revenues are more cyclical. That means they're more sensitive to uh, fluctuations in the business cycle. And at the same time, emerging market currencies, they tend to bottom only after a trough in economic activity. So they've weakened already, but we think that they have further potential room to to weaken, meaning the dollar could remain strong. So those are the two reasons why we continue to favor developed markets. Do you think the reopening of China's economy changes your relative assessment of emerging markets versus developed markets equities? We're heavily debating this very question at the moment. So I'm sure we'll come back to this. For the time being, EM equities, so emerging market equities, have outperformed strongly on the news that China is loosing COVID restrictions. And to an extent, we think a lot of it has already been priced in. So if you wanted to do something about that, you might be a bit too late. And there are still a number of unknowns that leave us questioning the sustainability of that China rally. So if you take, for example, the healthcare situation in China, a lot of hospitals are being overwhelmed by the surge in COVID patients, economic data continues to worsen, and also China's not immune to a global recession. But I think the main point is that China is just one country in the EM index. There are dozens of countries represented there, and many of those countries have much lower sensitivity to what happens in China these days, and that's because China has tried to make its economy much more dependent on domestic growth than external growth, i.e. exports are not a big part of their growth engine uh, compared to 10 years ago. So I think that the outlook for EM is you know, still negative in our view. We think on balance, a global downturn will hurt EM equities more than the China reopening will help, help it. But you know, given China's enormous weight in the benchmark index that many investors tend to follow, it's not clear you know, which way the, the pendulum will swing. A, a, an option might be to you know, look at uh, China or look at emerging markets excluding China. That might be a, you know, a better way to, to play that story. And I can see why you're discussing this on the desk at the moment. Sean, that's what we've got time for today. So thank you very much for joining us. And I believe you've also just written an article on this very topic. So if you're interested in reading a bit more about this, look out for that article, which should be out soon. Maybe look out on LinkedIn. But Sean, thanks for joining us. Thanks everyone for listening. Look forward to speaking to everyone soon for another Word on the Street. All investments can fall as well as rise in value and their past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. This podcast is not a personal investment recommendation.